Welcome back to Book Talks Podcast. This is Kayla. And Marissa. And this week we read Good Girl, Bad Blood. So this is book two to A Good Girl's Guide to Murder series. We read book one in season one. And now it's season two, so we're reading book two. And we put it in our lineup for book three, the third book. So we... Do you like this book better than the first one? I did. Did you? Do you did you ever change your rating on the first book from one stars? <laughs> did I really give it one stars? On Goodreads because you were mad that oh, the dog died. I should probably change that. I remember because Marissa was so into the book, the whole first book, and then I go on Goodreads <laughs> and she gives it a one star. He was so mad that the dog died in the first book. It was book. unnecessary. Did you like how sad Pip was because of her dog dying? Yeah. <laughs> Every time when they mentioned Bart, she like said she was coming in the house and she could hear paws like running on the floor, and I was like, oh, it breaks my heart. I loved it. <laughs> I have no comment for that. <laughs> I um, I liked the first one how there wasn't a time factor mm. because. This made me anxious. I was like, oh my god, Jamie's never coming home. Yeah. Because last time they were already dead, so like, there wasn't <laughs> a clock to beat. Yeah. Um, I guess warning. So, uh, if you're, we will be spoiling the first and second book. So, I mean, I don't think you'd read the second book first anyway. No. But I would read both books for you in this podcast because we probably already gave something away. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I also believe that Pip and Ravi are my favorite book couple ever. They are so cute. Marissa actually made a whole um, game plan for this podcast and not just have us ramble for an hour like I we did. normally do. So I'm going to let her take the lead. Okay. I thought we would, you know, break them in with, you know, a synopsis. <laughs> but I love this. First of all, the, the cover I really like because it's pretty much the same as the last cover, just a different color. And I so I like the symmetry of that. But anyway, the synopsis. Pip is not a detective anymore. With the help of Robbie Singh, she released a true crime podcast about the murder case they solved together last year. Though the podcast went viral, Pip insists that her sleuthing days are behind her. But when someone she knows goes missing and the police won't do anything, Pip has no choice but to investigate. Jamie Reynolds disappeared on the very same night the town hosted a memorial for the six-year anniversary of the deaths of Andy Bell and Sal Singh. It has to be more than a coincidence. To track Jamie down, Pip follows a trail of clues, uncovering more of her town's dark secrets along the way. And this time, everyone is listening. But will she find him before it's too late? I don't really see the coincidence with Sal and... Well, you're jumping to the end. But oh, no, I, agree. I don't really see the coincidence there. It ended up not really being a coincidence at all. I feel like their motives were... Yeah. Like, I feel like, especially, like, Ravi's motives for the most of it was a coincidence of it mm-hmm. all, but what happened was not a coincidence at all. So, okay, I guess I think we should start. Did you have predictions for this book? Like, did you read that synopsis? Did you make any predictions? Did you know what to expect? I didn't read the synopsis. No. I don't really read synopsis. I don't either. <laughs> I really didn't know where this book was going to go because I was like, well, she already solved the murder. Like, what can she possibly look into next? I just knew she was doing the podcast. That was, like, the only factors I knew about the book. I didn't have predictions either. But before I started this, I actually complained about it to my mom because I was like, okay, the first book was so good. Why is she making a second book? They already solved the murder. But I was like, you know what? The first one was good. I like Pip. I'll give it a chance. And then before I started reading, we found out there was a third one. 
And then I was like, okay, seriously, like this is just a cash grab. I was so mad. I was like, you can't drag a murder out for three bucks. Guys, <laughs> guys, by the time I got to the end of book two, I immediately pre-ordered the third book. It was so good. It's not a cash grab. And the murders really aren't related, except that it happens in the same town. So if you're worried about the first book, like, you know, running into the second book, it's not the same. They're kind of different plots. I also don't know how people in this town walk the streets at night. I think I'd actually move. Yeah, I mean, there are so many drug dealers and murders. <laughs> I also picture Pip being, like, really small. Yeah. I guess because her name's Pip. <laughs> we talked about this last time, too, and she wore overalls last time. <laughs> like, multiple times when she was fighting in this book, I'm like, they've probably just seen this, like, little girl walking over there all angry. <laughs> Feisty Pip. Um, yeah, no, and actually my Goodreads review, though, I, I thought in this book, we kind of watched her grow up. Like, she's she starts out, you know, still the young girl in overalls, but by the end, she's definitely matured a lot, I think. I think it's her struggles because she doesn't want to mature. But, yeah. like, she can't help it. Yeah. But, okay, I thought what we could start with was just go through the facts, lay it all out for the reader, um, and kind of discuss as we go, but, like, you know, not discuss too much. Not give anything away until the ah moment, you know? <laughs> okay, anyway, I'm really excited, can you tell? <laughs> I'm going to let you take the lead then. <laughs> okay, so I did think it was interesting that the book opened with Ravi and her covering the Max Hastings trial, because honestly, it's been so long since we read the first book, I kind of forgot about Max Hastings and <laughs> that there was going to be a trial. Also, I was really hoping the book wouldn't, be about the trial because you know we read what was the book the night swim the night swim which was fine but we've already read a book about a trial and so i was like "Ooh, if this is just gonna be her covering that especially because the night swim was also at a rape trial and yeah this is about a rape trial I was like That's how many true. books that involve rape are we gonna read this season yeah so <laughs> i'm glad that that was not the focus of this book which i'm really sad about the outcome of that but when pip lost it i was like you go girl yeah we'll get to that though but so essentially at the start of the book they're covering the max hastings trial she promises she's not doing sleuthing again you know they're just finishing up the podcast that they started about the first case and so I was like, okay, that's fine, but what's going to happen? And then Jamie Reynolds goes missing. I did not know who Jamie Reynolds was. I didn't know who Jamie was either. <laughs> I barely remembered who Connor was. I, yeah, I'm, I, like, I think Connor was in their friend group in book one. There was a whole sleepover they had in book one. Okay. The, remember when they heard, all, when she heard all those noises? Oh, in the forest. Right. I forgot about that. I think it was Connor. Okay. Kara? Yeah, Kara. Uh, Pip, Anthony, Lauren, yeah. and Zach. I think those are the six people at the sleepover. Don't, don't even remember Zach. <laughs> He's the one who moved out, though, right? From Four Doors Down? Or is that I someone don't know. else? I think Zach still lives around at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still around. He's finishing the term. His oh. parents weren't going to pull him out of school. But yeah, no, I really didn't know who Jamie was. The only glimpse we got of Jamie was at the Andy Sal Memorial when he brushed up against Pip, which did you, like assume that something was going to happen with Jamie. I thought he was going to do something bad. Like, he was... <laughs> like, hurt Pip or something. Oh, really? Because she said he got weird vibes. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. like, what is he going to do? I actually thought he was going to storm the stage and, like, take the mic or something. We got bad vibes from Jamie. <laughs> we didn't know what was going to happen. 
But yeah, no, he it's like he's described as being distracted, brushing past Pip, going towards something, but no one really sees what he's going towards and whatever. Then he goes missing, so dun-dun-dun, whatever. Jamie's our missing person. <laughs> it took um, me to admit to get back into this book, because I did wait too long in yeah. between, so I totally forgot, like, so many characters. Like, the only people I really remember last time was Ravi, Pip, Andy and Sal. Yeah. And, and Andy fr- and Sal are dead. <laughs> I didn't care. I remember her friend. And Naomi. Yeah. I felt so bad for them. Yeah. Kara's humor in this book. <laughs> I liked her humor. Kara was my type of humor. For those who don't know, Kara's dad's in prison for murdering... Well... I feel like they'd have to know because... Yeah, you read both one, one, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, her humor was funny. Uh, when he's like, my dad's on a murder, she's like, can't relate. Can't relate. <laughs> I mean, they were small roles, but I liked Kara. Naomi played a much smaller role in this book. Yeah, I feel like she was done. Yeah, she was done. Nat De Silva played a bigger role, which I keep getting sketch vibes from her brother. I do, too. I think her brother's up to something. Her, like, her brother's got to be involved in the third book as a bad guy. Maybe he's a serial killer. Maybe. <laughs> I thought he was going to be the bad guy in this book. Not, like, I forgot about him. But the first time he was mentioned, I was like, oh, yeah, this De Silva guy, he's shady. I also got bad vibes from the history teacher again with everything he said. <laughs> okay, okay, so we'll, we'll get to that. So, but, um, okay, so the first thing that happens after Jamie goes missing is they kind of put together through Kara that Jamie was at the Calamity Party. That was kind of like the big piece of evidence that led them on this goose chase. And they interviewed a guy named George Thorne, not important, but he was out smoking a cigarette and overheard Jamie on the phone arguing with something, someone. Are you remembering all this? No, I remember. I don't think it started the goose chase. I think him being missing started the it, goose chase. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying they didn't really have any evidence before that until Kara was like, Oh, I, I know I was plastered drunk, but I'm pretty sure I saw him. And then they started looking for videos and... I think she, But that was, like, after she wrote the sign and talked to his mother about the weird behavior. Yeah, yeah. They talked to... They talked to his family first. That was kind of boring. Honestly, I was kind of bored through that part. I'm not going to lie. The beginning was hard to get into because we waited too long, in my opinion. I wasn't bored of that part. You weren't? No. Mm. That was just me then. Like, I don't think that was, like, my start of the goose chase. My start of the goose chase was, like, him being, like, really strange. I feel like mother always knows best. Yeah. I feel like my... And the fact that the dad wouldn't do an interview. I was like, the dad definitely killed him. (laughs) I was going to ask you if you ever suspected the dad. I really didn't. I didn't think he killed him. I just thought, like, maybe they had a really big fight in the middle of the street or something like that. Like, especially because his dad, they didn't have, like, that whereabouts for, like, an hour of the dad. That's Like, no alibi. I was like, oh, like, like, a throw down in the street and then, like... He ran into somebody else who then killed him or something like that. But at the same time, Jamie was known for running away. And he's also 24 years old. He can leave if he wants to. So I didn't think the dad being unconcerned was that crazy. No, but he was so against any help of it all. Yeah, that's true. What did you think about Pip pulling out her microphone every time she went to interview someone? Like, wait, don't tell me anything. Let me set up my microphone equipment. (laughs) Knowing how heavy this mic is when I bring it to Marissa's house, it weighs my backpack down. Yeah. I usually don't even carry a backpack, but I throw my backpack on from high school, (laughs) and I stuff my mic in it, and I walk a couple blocks here, and I look like a school kid. Yeah. (laughs) I feel (laughs) Chandler or Pip. Did you wear a skirt over here one day with your backpack? (laughs) One day I looked like a legit schoolgirl. I was wearing like a dress and had my backpack on. (laughs) And this backpack was like twice the size that I was because I had all my recording equipment and my camera. 
And I went to the liquor store to get wine for us, and he ID'd me, like, really hardcore because I look like a child. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know how Pip did it all in one day. No. She was still in school, which, mm-hmm. at, last time I checked, high school was, like, eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. And then... It's supposed to be. <laughs> so, uh, she was, like, editing two podcast episodes, yeah. like, a day. Yeah. And like, me and Marissa edit these episodes. It takes me, like, an entire night. Like, oh, four, five, five hours. Easily. And we record for, like, maybe an hour and a half, and mm-hmm. we get this out of 45 minutes. Yeah. And it takes me so long. And she's, like, piecing together multiple sounds where yeah. we just have one recording we cut. That's true. That's true. She has two mics. Yeah, I don't her, know. Her and her guests. We can't figure out how to do two mics. <laughs> if um, anyone knows. <laughs> and apparently Pip can, so. Yeah, Pip's I, better. Well, she has all those sponsor deals, too. Freaking all these... I will like a nice one too. All these podcasts just do one season of a crime and they go take off. And we've been doing two seasons of books and maybe we should switch to murders. <laughs> maybe we should start being detectives. <laughs> and all the free time we have. Yeah, all our all our free time. I did like whenever they were naming the podcast and I was like, a good girl's gotten to murder. I was like, I wonder where he could have got that idea from. <laughs> He's like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, that was funny, too. We didn't talk about this, but at the start of the book, they kind of were talking about Pip's podcast and, like, her doing intros and outros and the dot .wav, W-A-V files and using Audacity. And I texted Kayla. I was all excited because I was like, oh, my gosh, we do all these things, too. Sort of. <laughs> we're working on the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Check out last week's episode if you want to hear a stellar outro Kayla did, we'll probably put it on this one, too. Marissa laughed at me after I did it. Legit <laughs> laughed. It was so good. It just made me laugh. And she goes, ha, ah, that's so awkward. <laughs> oh, thanks. Confidence boosted over here. I just think, like, everything we do, like, when you, even when you were just playing our voices back, I was like, ah. I do cringe from editing myself. Yeah. Whenever the whole trial is going on and Pip literally has the recording on her phone that Max is guilty. Oh, my God. Like, how infuriating would you be? But it was inadmissible. Yeah, like, it's so ridiculous. And if I was her, I probably would have put on the podcast and then kick off. I'm guessing she wasn't supposed to. She might have even been under a court order not to, so as not to sway the jury. But she might have been under a court order, but who knows? It wasn't explained. No. And it wasn't explained what happens after she eventually did air it. But someone said she was going to get in trouble for it. Like, Nat DeSilva, right? Wasn't, didn't she say, like, aren't you going to get in trouble for doing that? Yeah. And she said probably. Anyway, we're getting off track. We'll jump back to Jamie's missing. Jamie's missing. His mom and brother interviewed. They say he was acting weird. Then Kara remembered seeing him at the Calamity Party. She interviews a guy who saw him on the phone arguing with someone. Actually, we were given two really key facts here, whether we knew it at the time or not. But on the phone, Jamie said something about, no, I can't do that. I know I said I'd do anything, but not that. And he also said something about a child. And the guy didn't know what he said. He just heard the word child. And so both those were key facts that were coming later. But like at the time, we just knew he was acting weird. Sounded like he was being pressured to do something he didn't want to do. Well, the fact that he was even there was weird. He was 24 years old at a high school party. Yeah. I got creeper vibes there Did from you? Jamie. I was like, why is he at a high school party? That's like a seven-year difference. And they said he was just, like, standing watching. In the corner. Like, it was just so <laughs> creepy. Like, imagine, like, at a high school party and there's a 24-year-old in the corner watching you all. And no one knows him because they're all younger. 
<laughs> yeah, that's weird. I agree. The whole vibe of it all was like, ah. <laughs> hey, are we sure want to find him? <laughs> maybe, maybe we just let this one stay lost, actually. He definitely was going through some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he deserved to stay missing or anything. I'm glad they found him and I hope he gets help. But he had some issues in his own well, life. Well, yeah, because he dropped out of college. He was, like, really lost in his life. Yeah. So I think that's why he was, like, spiraling. Yeah. Um, Spiraling's a good word. But whenever they explained that he's at a high school party, I was like, ooh, this is a bad look for him. Bad look. <laughs> I thought it was cute that Connor didn't want to believe anything about his brother because it's like, that's your brother. But he learned some things. But yeah, so anyway, after the Calamity Party, we also learn about Autumn Clark, the new history teacher. At this point, guys, I have to tell you this because I think this is funny. I don't know if you will. I wrote a note in my book that I thought it'd be really funny if Adam Clark ended up being the killer and got fired. And then they had to fill the history teacher role again because it would be like Harry Potter with Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. They can't keep someone in that role. Uh, I just thought that'd be really funny. And the next person they get is Snape. <laughs> At this point in the book, we were told Pip had a new neighbor, Jamie's missing, he was seen at the Calamity Party, and she has a new history teacher. Did you think anything about any of these things? I didn't think anything of the neighbors, yeah. especially when they reported their break-in. I didn't think anything of it. I did. I, I mean, I can attest. I have my notes here. I wrote down a note. New neighbor. What is the significance of mentioning the old and new neighbors. I was like, that's fishy. Why is she mentioning this? But she does include random details sometimes. She does. Like, I wrote down a couple things. At one point, Ravi picked up a blunt where Andy Bell's body was stored. He picked it up and put it in his pocket. And I literally wrote, what is this foreshadowing? What's what's going to happen? Are they going to use the DNA? And I was like, so wrong. It never came up again. <laughs> Ravi just wanted to smoke something. <laughs> But yeah, I didn't have any like predictions, honestly. Or the fact that every time that Ravi went up to Pip, he would just like put his foot underneath her. <laughs> I had a really hard time picturing that. <laughs> they said he slipped his foot under his leg and wiggled his toes in a greeting only she could see. Multiple times he did it. I'm also like, at what level is like Ravi coming up and being like, woo! <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm mostly like Pip sitting in a chair. Like, is he just like yeah. putting his foot on her chair? Like, I feel like people be like, why is Robbie like just crotch shot and Pip over here? <laughs> he was so funny though. And so, like, their banter is very cute. He teases her, like, when she said, we need to split up, and he was like, no, don't leave me, or something like that. It was, like, Connor and Pip in her room, and mm -hmm. Ravi came, and they were, like, doing the banter, and Connor's like, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Just, that was the only line, you guys. <laughs> oh, I liked when she told him to make a tender, and he was like, I, I was just kidding, we don't have to break up. Big yeah. fan of Ravi over here. We no, like him I a lot. really like their coupleness. Like, I want to be Pip and Ravi. I wouldn't say they're, like, my favorite book couple, because, you know, I like the broody, dark, tortured soul. Robbie is tortured, I guess. His brother did die. He's very positive, though. But he's too positive. Yeah, he's too happy he and like, positive. He's always lifting up Pip. I like them a lot. I like them, too. I loved the contrast between... Pip working with Connor and Pip working with Ravi, which the author even mentions. She's, she talks about Pip's frustration with working with Connor because Connor does not like bounce ideas off with her and go along with where she's going. But when she was with Ravi, they just flow perfectly together. 
And like she can go on these far-fetched ideas and he like just is, is right there with her through the story where Connor's like, no, I'm going to shut this down. Yeah. Like with the whole catfish thing. Yeah. Like, she's like, Riley would just talk the whole thing through with me, but Connor won't accept that his brother might be catfished. Yeah. yeah. Which that was the next big piece of evidence we got was that they finally found video footage of Jamie at the Calamity Party and he was walking towards a girl that they recognized as Stella Chapman from their grade. And so, of course, they were like, okay, Stella, why didn't you say anything? Like, Jamie, talk to you. (laughs) Like, what's going on? And during that interview, as you mentioned, Connor was all giving her mean eyes because he thought she was making stuff up. But turns out Jamie was being catfished with pictures of Stella. Stella didn't know him. And I was like, that's kind of cool technology-wise that she incorporated that in. (laughs) Yeah, the girl that they used Stella's photo was named Layla. Yeah. Layla gave me really creepy vibes. Like, <laughs> really creepy vibes. I don't know, I got chills under that part. Oh, wait, when when they DM'd her? Yeah, so... I literally screamed and threw the book. So, yeah, Pip's um, super stalker, like, finds... She downloads Tinder, uh-huh. finds Layla, finds Layla's Instagram, finds Layla's uh, Facebook, <laughs> and then she messaged her, and at this point, Pip, like, it's just Pip, like, she shouldn't know her, and the girl Layla goes, Hi, Pip, you're getting oh. closer. I screamed because it was supposed to be from, like, Robbie, like, a Tinder account, a boy, and all... It was from Connor's photography account. Yeah, oh, that's right. Connor's photography account. And all it said was, like, hey, how's it going? Or something with two Ys, like, hey. And then they were, like, hi, Pip. And I literally screamed. I I could not even control myself. It scared the thought of me. Yeah, I got chills. Like, that was wild. It reminded me of when she got blackmail messages in book one. Yeah. But I guess now we found out that 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 person who messaged her wasn't out to kill Pip. He was, like, hoping for her to solve the mystery. Yeah, that's a good point. So, as we're going to learn eventually, Layla was actually the bad guy. And it was a guy. I won't reveal it just yet. But it was a guy And he wanted Pip to basically find someone he was looking for. So that is creepy then that he knew it was, like, how do you think he knew it was her? He said he was watching her the whole time. He said he's been following her. And Pip always said she felt eyes on her. That's true. That creeped me out a lot. Whenever she was walking in the rain when she was really upset, which we'll get to, but whenever she sat on his porch and talked to him, I was like, this is so weird. I thought it was so nice. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's comforting her. Which I guess it is weird because, like, why is this... It was like a, sh- like a yeah. random middle-aged male in your blog. He How actually, many neighbors have you gone up to and started talking about your personal life with? I thought maybe he was secretly a psychiatrist and he could tell she was upset and was talking her down out of something. Because, like, she was just walking back and forth in the rain and he was like, do you want to come in? And when she was like, no. And he's like, well, you could sit on my porch. And then I thought it was really respectful that he sat a step down from her. He didn't try and sit next to her and be creepy. He like sat away from her. I thought it was nice. Like he was respecting her boundaries. So if you're walking up on your block (laughs) and a random neighbor who just moved in asked you to sit on his porch, you would go? No, I I mean, I'd call 911. (laughs) Okay, thank you. (laughs) But Pip's braver than me. I feel like the first book was scarier, actually. Really? Because Pip was getting, like, threatening messages for her life. And when they took the dog, it was like... that's true. You're right. This one... This one wasn't scary. I did feel very anxious reading it, though. I was on the edge of my seat, for Uh sure. But I wasn't fearing Pip's life as much as I was in the first book. 
I feel part of that is because, well, one, she wasn't really in danger. So there was that. But two, there was all the podcast stuff. I feel like that kind of took away from maybe the danger of it because she was podcasting it as she went. And you're like, oh, she's just interviewing people. It's all recorded. Like, it's fine. I don't know. That's the vibe I got. I didn't like when they're at the farm, though. When Which she's time? Out there by her, all the time. All the time. <laughs> Anytime at the farm, I was like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll go to that. I don't think we're there yet. But I think the first time they went there was when they found the knife. Yeah. And then and then they were like, we're going to stake it out. And I was like, no. I did write down the point in the book where I was like, okay, at this point, the police need to get involved. We're not there yet. I put it in my notes. But like, okay, up until, like, all of this, I feel like is okay. Because Jamie's a 24-year-old. He went off. The police didn't really believe it. Pip's not really in danger. She's just trying to solve a, a mystery. It, it was fine. We will get to a point where I do feel like the police should have been involved. I feel like as soon as the knife was found. Yeah. I can't remember if the knife was found first or blood was found on the sweater first. Blood was found on the sweater first. When the blood was found on the sweater, that's when I wrote the note. Okay, like now there's DNA evidence, blood. I think at this point you get the police. But that wasn't from like that day though. It was from when he had that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he'd been wearing it on his birthday. He snuck out, came home with blood on his sweater. Now a knife is missing. Now he's missing. Yeah, I feel like they were just being stubborn though. I feel like once they found actual evidence though, I feel like that's when they probably should have stepped in. But anyway, we're not there yet. We're still back with she's safe, not really in danger. The next thing they really did, though, was go to Nat Silva's house, which Nat Silva and her boyfriend didn't give anything away. They were making weird eyes at each other. They were being they sus. Were. They were being sus. He said something just... about staying in all night on Friday, which was weird. Nat's face was telling. Mm-hmm. And I also just don't get why Nat hates Pip so much. Like, I know Nat was on... Pip's suspect list, but so many people are on that list. I think Nat had done a stint in prison. And so, maybe not prison, jail. I don't know the difference. It's juvie? Maybe juvie. But she'd been locked up at some point, and Pip definitely had her high on the list. And Nat always was suspicious. Maybe Nat just hates her because Nat was technically a victim in all of that. At this point, yeah. I still had no predictions. I didn't know where this book was going. I This is where I started to make predictions once they broke into his laptop and started Googling things. Or they looked at his Google searches and there were things about brain cancer and controlling fathers. And that at that point was when I started making predictions. They were completely wrong. My first prediction at this point was when Layla might be someone who had a child, because the word child was mentioned, with brain cancer, and she was trying to get money, and so she was catfishing people for money to pay for her child's surgery. It was just a prediction. You can give me that look all you want. Because it was weird that he Googled brain cancer. I Google cancers all the time. Do you ever get a headache and think of a brain tumor? Yeah, but I don't Google it. What about the controlling fathers? It was already clear that his dad was controlling, though. I don't think his dad was controlling. The way that Connor described their relationship, it just sounded like his dad was trying to control him and then he would fight back, but then he never confronted and then it would just blow up and then they get in a big fight. I would have to agree to disagree. I thought his dad was a good guy. I don't think he was like a bad guy, but <laughs> I wasn't so he Googled controlling fathers. They looked at his text messages with Layla Mead. Again, he offered to do anything for her. Not really a big deal. Well, the next thing that happened before they finally finally got the police involved 
was they organized the search and they found the knife on the property where Annie Bell's body had been discovered. I didn't like this whole search party thing. If I got a notice in high school to be part of a search party, I don't think I would partake. Really? No. Especially in this town, in yeah. these woods. Count but, me out. But, I mean, they were going as a group. I mean, I wouldn't participate either. <laughs> There's <laughs> bad things that happen in this town. That's Like, true. Pip's with her dog woman and the next dog's killed. Like, walking 10 feet in front of her. Yeah. Or when they went camping and there were literally someone there watching her, like, yeah. 10 feet away. That's Nothing in this town sounds fun to go, let me go search these parts of the area that two people died in. At least it was broad daylight. At least she didn't ask him to do it at night like she does with her stakeouts. Pip has some balls and she's going to get herself killed one day. Yes, that's that may happen in book three. But yeah, so at that point they got the police involved again. Daniel Da Silva shows up and sketch as crap. I mean, did you not think he was super sketchy? He was, like, telling her, is Pip, did you plant this? Yeah. He, like, wouldn't back it as evidence. What would Pip gain from planting anything? And I was glad his partner, his police partner, was there to be like, okay, yeah, we're going to take this into evidence, Pip. We got this. Because Daniel Da Silva was just like, what? Like, why was this here? Did, did you put this here? Like, no, she didn't put it. Even if she had, still bag it. And then if her DNA is all over it, fine. Whenever she brought up the whole Layla thing, and he's like, don't ever mention that again. <gasps> oh, yes. Do you think that'll come into... Oh, I guess it won't come into play. We know who Layla is. But he was talking to Layla, too. He was only a factor because he was 30 and had dark hair. Yeah. At this point, we still didn't know Layla was a guy. From that point forward, once they found the knife, I really stopped taking notes because I was sucked in. Um, but yeah, so at that point, they decided to stake out the place where Annie Bell's body was found at night, alone, for teenagers. Yeah, that was just really dumb. It's just a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. A shack? Like, yeah. that's where Andy's sister hid her body for, like, two years. Yeah. But it's just, like, the shack in the middle of nowhere that uses, like, a smoke den. Yeah. But we found out that, like, Nat Silva's boyfriend, Luke, sells drugs. Luke, that's his name. I could not remember his name. Luke was driving to the house and they saw Pip's car yeah. and he like, ran away. And then Pip like chased them and her car spun out. But yeah. then she noticed what car it was and was like, I think it's Luke's. And one other thing we learned there was one of the little druggies her age said that someone had stolen $900 from Luke. I mean, they didn't name Luke, but we knew it was Luke. And we also found out prior to that, or maybe after. I can't remember. That Jamie asked his dad for that exact amount. $900. So that was a little, another. So somehow Nat De Silva or her boyfriend or both were related to this $900 and Jamie. Jamie said there was life or death that he needed the money. Mm -hmm. But he needed the money because Layla was asking for it. But why did Layla need that money? Maybe to see if... He would do it. He would do it. I do wonder how those neighbors will play in, in the next book. Which we haven't revealed who Layla is. But sure it's the neighbors. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway. Um, I guess we never really described the neighbors either. We didn't. I mean, the neighbors were in two or three scenes throughout the book until you found out that they were the bad guys. I thought it was really weird, though, when Pips, like, has all these posters around town, like, asking for any information on Jamie, and the the new neighbors in the block had this video camera, a recording of Jamie sneaking into their house, stealing an old watch, mm -hmm. and they didn't call the police on it, so that was weird, because... Even if someone broke my house and didn't steal anything important, I would probably still call the cops. Well, they said that 
they didn't look at the video until the watch had gone missing. And at that point, Jamie was already missing. So they were like, well, sounds like he has enough trouble on his plate anyway. And I just feel like that would give the cops more reason to look into it, like acting out of character. That was a little sus and they didn't say anything. But I didn't like point fingers at them. I just thought like they somehow tied into it at that point. I found out it was Flora's watch. I was just confused. I just knew the neighbors tied in somewhere. Somehow. I didn't know when or yeah. how. Yeah, I didn't pick up on them being the big connection until literally it happened. At this point, we actually had a bit of a reprieve from the Jamie investigation because we found out Max Hastings was found not guilty. I never understood why Pip was so convinced that he was going to be found guilty. Well, because she had the recording of him admitting to it. I knew he was going to get away with it because there was, like, no other evidence besides three girls, like, voices. Like, Naomi was the only one who wasn't in jail, and Naomi's dad is in jail. So, like, it wasn't, like, three best characters. Not a great look. It kind of sucks when you think about it that Becca did four years in prison, which isn't very much for accidentally killing her sister, but Max Hastings got off scot-free when he kind of started the chain of reaction. Max should have got put away. I just... Rape trials are never fair. Her and Riley were like, oh, he's going to get put away. They were so convinced. And Robbie's like, too optimistic. I was like, but those never work out in I, anyone's favor. I think it's nice how optimistic Robbie is that even though his brother died and he had this bad thing happen and his family was treated bad after they convinced themselves Sal was the murderer, that Robbie's still so optimistic. I think that's really sweet and innocent and like he hasn't been you know, ruined by the world, despite everything that's happened. Yeah, okay, so we're right here at the end. Basically, they figured out that this Layla Mead was targeting 30-ish-year-old white men with brown hair, kind of a specific person they're looking for. And after doing a lot of research, Robbie Connor and Pip figured out this whole child brunswick thing. Well, so... They finally got Luke to talk by oh, saying he'll right. pay him $900. And he said that Jamie ran up to him and said, child... Broomstick. Broomstick. Child brown sick. And then he ran away. So then at that point, Luke thought Jamie was Layla. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. And then, then Luke chases Jamie away. So then Pip's like Googling child broomstick. And then he's like, do you mean child Brunswick? Mm-hmm. Which was from like this previous serial killer thing where this guy was killing children and he would use his own child to lure out those children mm-hmm. so that's what we put two together because when we figured out that child brunswick would be 30 years old and there was like rumors on the web that child brunswick was living in fairfield which was the town that pip lives in so we figured out that layla was in search of child brunswick that's why she's going on tinder and everything to find 30 year old men with a certain like like characteristics mm-hmm. and looks and at that point jamie lied about his age even though he was 24 he said he was 30 so she had him so this is actually what I texted you right before they figured out the child Brunswick thing. After they talked to Luke, though, and he said child brown sick, child broomstick, something like that. I had this whole sick thing in my head with this cancer and all this stuff. Like, I could not get it out of my head. And so at this point, I texted you and I was like, I'm making my prediction. I think I know what's going to happen. I was so wrong. My prediction, though, was that I wanted them to get Max Hastings. Like, I don't like that he got off. So I was like, maybe this Layla person was raped by Max Hastings and she had a kid. But she was drugged, so she didn't know who Max Hastings was. She just knew he'd be... 30-ish, brown hair, white skin. And But Max isn't 30. 
I thought Max he was like was Andy's in, age. I thought he was in Nat Silva's grade. But Nat's not 30 either. They're all no, like they're 24. like 25-ish. 24, 25. Yeah, I don't know. But I thought that's where it was going. Just because the child Brunswick thing came out of nowhere. Yeah, we like didn't have clues for that. So all my predictions up till that point were completely without the child Brunswick thing. You couldn't make predictions in this book. No, she really threw us for a loop with that. I will say that is different about this book than some of the other thrillers. I think that's because it's more like mystery crime solving. With other thrillers I read, if you have read the book, you can go back and see all the clues leading you to it. With this book, it's like she's investigating. So each clue is new. And until you have all the pieces, you can't solve the puzzle. No, like you don't hear about Child Brunswick until the last like, what, 50 pages? Yes. But so then somehow, I don't know how, Pip figured out Child Brunswick was Stanley Forbes. She narrated them as Stanley because... I knew one thing was that he never answers to his actual name. Yeah. He was around 30. She had the pictures from the first book when he was involved with that Bowie guy. The Oh, it was the Bowie conversation. Mm -hmm. The guy who used sold drugs in book one had a conversation and he was like threatening Stanley to tell something for money. Mm -hmm. So that was cool that that was brought back. Yeah, I didn't know she planned that at the time because when we read book one, that obviously that interaction was very suspicious and it had you wondering like, oh, could Stanley be involved? Could this guy be involved? Whatever. Um, and so then she brought that back in this book, which I don't know if she planned it or not, but it worked. Pip's one of my favorite female characters, honestly. She's not like a badass, you know, the way Bryce is or something, or Farah. I know you like Farah, but she's, she's likable. She's ballsy. She's smart. She's She's very book smart. And she's funny. And yeah, I like her. I'm a fan of her too. Whenever the Max case ended... She was really upset, and then there's an article saying that she was faking this whole Jamie disappearance, and she, like, went on a rampage and, like, yeah. lost it. She, like, I think pushed her friends, who's not really close at the moment, Anthony, who she was getting feisty. She got suspended from school. Yeah. And this girl got into Harvard, right? At Columbia or something. I don't remember. She got into, like, an Ivy League school in book one, and this girl is throwing arms in book two, getting suspended. Yeah, so, like, in book one, she's, like, a book nerd, and she does all her studies, and she's very good. And that's why in my Goodreads review, I actually said it felt like we grew up with Pip because she's she's realizing that she's not the good girl she always thought she was. And she does have this darker side and she's been stained by these really dark things that have happened. You know, she's been threatened. Her life's been threatened. Her family's been threatened. Her dog was killed. She held Stanley as he died. I mean, we haven't got to that, but I mean, she is scarred at this point. And she's not the good girl she was in book one. Well, prior to her holding Stanley in his death, her breakdown was basically her fighting herself internally. Like, yeah. her wanting to be, like, a girl still, but her, like, not being that good girl anymore. And she, like, has this internal battle. She, like, pushes everyone away, including Ravi. And then she goes to Ravi and was, and was like, well, this is who I am. I'm not a good girl anymore. Take me or leave me. He's like, like I knew who you were anyway. Like, I, I love you. I love that. I loved when he was like, well, if you'd come to me and ask me, I could have told you who you were. Like, he knew. He still loved her. I love that they were kissing in the rain. That was my favorite. <laughs> I love that he told her he loved her in anger when they were fighting. He's like, well, I love you. <laughs> and, and then she's like, you said it out of anger. He goes, yeah, because I'm so broody. <laughs> I was gonna say when she was having her meltdown did you like when she went to max hastings house yes yes i was nervous 
I, I knew she'd get her anger out somehow, and I was like, is there any other way we probably can go about this without vandalizing <laughs> anything? Like, couldn't we just go to, like, axe-throwing class yeah. or something like that? But I guess she needed it. And it, it made her friends with Nat, yeah. which was helpful. I love that Nat was like, mm, heard his house got vandalized, and Pip was like, oh, didn't hear. And I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> I feel like that was, like, a, a turning point in their relationship. Yeah. I hope that they'll be friends in the third book. I would like to see them become better friends. No, we, we haven't gotten to the end yet. So, basically, Stanley's child, Brunswick, she goes, she confronts Stanley. Jamie's in Stanley's bathroom. Connor and Robbie go to save him. I just feel like Stanley would have saved himself a lot of trouble if he just told Pippa was up. Because they wouldn't have been in that farmhouse. Like, that guy would not have found out who it was Stanley or something like that. Like, But, I I mean, they didn't know who Layla was. And I think he was still scared he was going to be exposed. And Pip was kind of, in hindsight, Pip was dumb to text him as Layla and be like, meet me at the farmhouse. By herself. Yeah. That was dumb. That was dumb. Like, where was Kara? Why couldn't Kara have gone? Why couldn't anybody go with her? It was so dumb to by herself because, like... Why does Ravi and Connor need two people to go in a house yeah. when you just need, like, and why send her out to an abandoned barn? with? And at that point, like, I thought Stanley could be dangerous. I did, too. I mean, Jamie's been missing for days, and you you don't know who Layla is. And if he is child Brunswick, and if he is still, you know, if he's messed up from that, you don't know how he might react. Especially... Like, so, Pip's way in the farm, and she gets that call saying Connor's in the bath. I know Jamie's in the bathroom. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to go out there and talk to him. Like, yeah. Like, he's held a captive for six days. Let's go talk to the guy. Yeah. I, her reasoning there wasn't super sound. It was really heartbreaking when Stanley saw it was her and was like, oh, no, you're Layla. Like, it broke his heart in a way. <laughs> and she's like, no. She's like, nah, just kidding. <laughs> um... I understand, like, it's really traumatizing to be there for death and stuff like that, but, like, she acted like her and Stanley were BFFs after his funeral. <laughs> she did. I, I was like, you didn't even like him last book. I think it was probably guilt because she knew she led Charlie to Stanley. Charlie literally used her to find Stanley, basically. And it wasn't Pip's fault. Pip didn't know that was happening, but Stanley died as a result, and, like, that's probably very traumatic. Yeah. I get the traumatic, but she was like, I don't know, she acted like someone just lost their best friend. I'm like, Pip, you didn't even know. You she didn't even, even like, like him. <laughs> I was like, you hated him, book when you had him as a spec suspect for a murder. Yeah, even at the start of this book, when they passed each other in the graveyard, and she was like, oh, I'll be nice to him. Like, <laughs> yeah, Ravi was like, I'm so proud of you for being nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly she didn't like him. I mean, I'm sure it was just the guilt and, like, traumatizing that he literally died in her arms, but they weren't besties. It was a little overdramatic. Yeah. I get Jamie being dramatic because he was held captive with him for, like, six days yeah. and got close or something. Yeah. But that's pretty much what happened. Like, it was pretty shocking. <laughs> yeah. Up until the point where the gunshots, it was, like, pretty dramatic. But the whole Jamie just being locked in the bathroom the whole time was, like, we went through all this stress for Jamie to be in a bathroom. I figured Jamie wasn't dead because, I don't know why, but I just had a feeling he wasn't dead. And Jamie has to walk around with a broken Fitbit. Like, just take the Fitbit <laughs> off, man. You don't need the broken Fitbit. Yeah. You will remember being locked in a bathroom. I mean, it wasn't a traumatic. 
product you got fed food you liked. Mm-hmm. You were just in a bathroom. Like there was nothing wrong. I think I think he wore it to remind himself of what he'd almost done as a result of Layla. Like he he was willing to kill like he knew he didn't want to kill Stanley. But he also did lunch with a knife. I mean Yeah, I I yeah, that was gross. I'm just shocked that like Jamie didn't ask, like, why bring up to this random couple's house to see a watch? Like, I don't understand what rational person doesn't ask why. I think that's the thing. He wasn't rational. He was heartbroken about Nat because Nat had a new boyfriend and he liked her. And then, too, he's he's aimless in life. He doesn't have a good job, whatever. And he latches onto this catfish. And she probably made him feel special and all this stuff. So, like, I get, I mean, I get he was desperate, but... I don't know. I still think he needs help. <laughs> no, definitely. They all need help. They all need help. They all need therapy. Everyone in this town needs serious therapy. This town just needs to, like... It reminds me of Pretty Little Liars, where, like, everything that could go wrong is yeah. going wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. The fact that there are, like, these back-to-back murders... Well, I guess in this case, kidnapping and then murder. And just... Yeah, like, the all the death threats Pip gets... I want to know who left the note in her locker this time. I think it was a joke. Yeah. That's a mean joke. I I really hope that the couple, the neighbors, are going to get captured because I understand their motive behind wanting to kill Child Brunswick. Like, um, I obviously don't agree with their motives, but I understand, like, rage and loss and grief can, like, be channeled into things negatively yeah but i just what they did to pip after she like begged them to not shoot him i just and the and what they did to jamie like they just tormented the shit out of jamie so i do want them to get captured yeah i, I hope they get captured i thought that's what the third book was going to be about but it sounds like that's not what it's going to be about um, I don't know what else there is to talk about. Yeah, what do you give this book as a rating? Oh my gosh, a five out of five. This had What's it your all. second five of the season? This, I mean, this book Actually, had it all. your third. I normally, I normally rate things pretty honestly. You just like thrillers a lot. I, I give do. it a, f- I give it a 4.5. You're like, over here being like, oh my god, I was just, it doesn't spark that love for me. Yeah, I, I just really like thrillers. I like, I mean, I like creepy stuff. <laughs> I've given Marissa a limit of three thrillers for next season. And one of them is going to be as good as dead. So you have two books. Okay, I guess we'll do our Alan show. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Kayla. And Marissa. Have a good day. And make sure to follow us at Book Talks Podcast on Instagram.